Hey everybody and welcome to Earth's Mightiest Weirdos. I am not your host, Brian Lee. Uh, I'm your host, Alex Klein, pinch hitting for Brian while he is doing some moving and enjoying, hopefully, an Avs win tonight for the hockey game. Brian, we miss you, buddy. Uh, we are leaving a ceremonial seat empty for you, but we do still have two more weirdos joining us. We've got Maya and David. Both of you, welcome. Thanks yeah. for having me. Not your host. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> little, little dad humor there for Father's Day. We're gonna, yeah. You have to cover it though, because Brian's usually the one who's got the dad humor. So we're gonna we're gonna be covering for him tonight. Thank you guys both for coming. Uh, when Brian asked me to host for this episode, I jumped. I, I almost messaged him before and just said, "Hey, could you let me just run the show?" Because. Uh, I love this episode of Miss Marvel. We are talking about the second episode, Crushed. Um, cool call out too. Both the episodes so far have been named after different storylines in the comics, uh, and we will get into this particular storyline as the uh, episode goes on. Um, but before we get started, uh, we'll start uh, with Maya up at the top. Overall thoughts of Miss Marvel episode two, and I will say too, obviously, full spoilers for those of you out there who have not seen it. Uh, go check it out because seriously, it is to die for. But Maya, uh, what did you think of this episode? I absolutely love this episode. Um, the first episode I thought was really good, but this one I felt like, wow, it just really took it to the next level. And I did want to like make a comment around. Well, actually, I'll save it for later in the show. I'll save it for later. Okay. Okay. David, what about you? Overall thoughts of this episode? Uh, I really like this episode. Um, I like the fair. I thought maybe they'd give us the entire backstory this episode, but it seems like they're 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 holding off or being patient and just giving it to us in little bits so that they just to keep things interesting. Um, and I also like what this episode is done with some of the minor characters, and we'll get into that as well. But yep. I really like this episode. Yeah, I wonder if we'll get all those backstories revealed in episode five, just like uh, <laughs> just like usual. Um, so before we get started, we've got some people uh, in the chat already. Uh, I see Jay Lynn has joined us. Hello. Justin Grant is here, as is Mr. Anthony Lowry. Uh, happy Father's Day to all of you out there uh, who were celebrating yesterday. And also, happy Juneteenth to everyone as well. Uh, I got to sit in on a presentation today at work uh, with uh, Miss Opal Lee, who kind of pushed for uh, Juneteenth being a national holiday. And she said something really awesome, which I loved. She said, you know, now now that Juneteenth is an official holiday, that uh, there's all cause now to celebrate from Juneteenth all the way to July 4th when America had its independence, because now we're celebrating everybody having their independence. So it's all the more reason to kind of celebrate, which I thought was great. Um, so let's dive into this. Like I said, I, I've taken quite a bit of notes. I think both of you have as well. Uh Show opens with uh, we were just listening to it before the show, and I we need to start with this beforehand. I got I can't hold on to this any longer. Uh, the soundtrack for the show, for the series, for this particular episode, absolute fire. This is the first time I have ever watched a Marvel show and started shazamming songs while I was watching the show, wrong. and I did that five times. Wrong franchise, uh, Alex. Wrong franchise. Oh, oh, yes, good. <laughs> Thank you, David. Hold on, I'm gonna kick you. Just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. Um, no, it oh, just crazy. We got a Cruella song. Uh, we got an MIA song uh, from her classic Paper Planes album, but they didn't use Paper Planes. 
they used come around which oh i just i lost it every single song was great the score was amazing they timed it perfectly we even got a dance number in this episode and it wasn't even it was not even close to the uh scene at the end of hawkeye uh the the final scene of the avengers uh thing this was a billion million times better uh she just I, I wouldn't be surprised if she showed up and did that dance and they were like, she's perfect for this role. Cause she's sitting there si singing and spinning around. I was just like, how did they even find her? Like she is Kamala. She is amazing. Amon Vellani. Uh, David, we'll start down with you. What, what did you think about the score and the music? Um, I'm not as familiar with all of the songs, but everything is just, everything seems to be hitting for me. Um, I think it's, it can often be a bad thing when music, whether it is a um, needle drop or part of the score stands out. Um, if you want to look at Captain Marvel, I think one of the big knocks against that movie was the song, was the No Doubt song, I'm Just a Girl. That kind of seemed out of place. Um, so, But the opposite of that, there's nothing this show has done so far to make me feel like this song or this score doesn't sound there, uh, belong there. In fact, it's the opposite. Like everything just feels really true uh to who she is as a character and then who to who the, where the what this series is and where where it's going yeah sorry i can't speak right now <laughs> no that's i totally agree with you what about you maya no i totally agree with david and it's just like they're not the songs don't seem random but it's not like captain marvel where it's like oh these are for sure songs 90s girl power songs are gonna they include different genres and i love that and i haven't heard that may song in a minute so when they played Feel So Good in the beginning, it was such a great way to set the tone. Um, and yeah, again, the music is amazing. Yeah, part part of me thinks or her wishes that this is like, this is Kamala's soundtrack. Like mm -hmm. when she pulls out her iPod, th these are the songs she was listening to. And that that's kind of how they chose them as they went through, which I don't know if that's true or not, but I, I think that's cool. Well, so like, like I you think said, oh, one, go ahead, David. I think one thing this show really does well is making you feel like you're living in Kamala's world. Yes. Yeah. You know, especially with a lot of the animation from the first episode and some of it here one. So I don't think you're far off and, you know, make, I think it's kind of the point is to make us feel like we're in her head. We're living in her world because we very much are. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's funny. We had talked about this on a prior, uh, I think comics and cinema episode around how, she is essentially the uh, the new Peter Parker. At least that's kind of how they had talked about her when her debut was in the comics. Young teenage superhero discovers her powers, can't really reveal them. She's in high school. There's drama. But honestly, and I've said this the whole time, of that you know, hers. I enjoy her story more than Peter Parker's. Peter Parker's got some pretty crazy moments, but for her level of like family involvement, caring about school. They've done such a pristine job of doing that in the comics, and they've translated that over perfectly in the show to the point now where this episode opens up with um, she she has powers now. And what would Peter Parker have done in this situation? He hid, right? He, he didn't want anyone to know that he had powers. He's tried to stay the exact same. Kamala comes in, and she is zero to 100 immediately she's flipping her hair telling people it's up playing basketball she has all of the confidence in the world and i loved that as a sort of uh duality with peter parker because he would never i mean you see it in homecoming he is not that way at all he's very shy and timid and i feel like th these newfound powers that she has there's like a piece of her that is okay with being herself now 
And so she's a lot more confident, a lot more fun. I thought that was an amazing way to show it. Like, I was like, is she going to accidentally like have a power, her power go off or something? And nope, it's just, she's just being herself and all the students around her love it. Right. Like mm -hmm. there, there's no, I never felt worried that she was about to be bullied or that someone was going to tease her. She corrects her teacher uh, or the coach saying, my name's actually Kamala. Uh, just, I thought that entire entrance scene was just perfection. And then, you know, she shows up, we get, we get a quick clip of, of Kamran coming around and the music kind of slows a bit and she's like starstruck. <laughs> and then Bruno is there immediately, which was such a great juxtaposition of like, he bumps right into her and then they start talking like they're best friends, but they're kind of, that's the love triangle. That's, that's starting in the first five minutes of the show. Maya, what did you think? Yeah, Alex, when you talk about duality between like Spider-Man and uh, Kamala, that is so true because I feel like a lot of, even stories outside of Marvel that like relate to like an extraordinary, like high schooler child, it's always as if they had like, I hate to say like either dead parents or parents who are low for not involved. Right. I love the fact that we see a very religious religious family and also very active parents. Like I related to that. I grew up in a religious household, very two very active like parents. And so it's it's great because it's like such a fresh perspective for like child superheroes. It's not always you're on your own, you have nobody to support you, you have a very loving household. And your parents and kind of like the parental supervision is a part of your story. So I loved how they explored that. And I felt like it allows more people to be seen in these types of stories because it's always like, even Aunt May, she's never around. Like she, you know, so. And she's, really she's like, like clueless. She's always clueless. Yeah. It's like Peter can walk in and he's half in his suit and she's like, what a cute Halloween costume. And it's like, right. come and, on. And I just love how it's like her her relationship with her parents are so integral to the story in good ways and bad ways. So I love how that's being explored. Yeah, absolutely. And I think you bring up a great point, too, that I, I'm trying to remember. I'm pretty sure I talked about it on Shang-Chi of kind of an annoyance of why why does every character who's a superhero, why is the story that they've had a terrible childhood? Yeah. Or they've got a de you know a death in the family. There's some terrible tragedy that puts it, and I didn't even realize that. Like she doesn't have one. She just she gets the power from this this bangle. So it really does flip the script in that regard. I I, I totally agree. What about you, David? Um, well, I think we'll find out if she actually does have something in her family history, but that's for later. Um, no, I love that she comes in, and obviously because of what happened last episode, she's got this newfound confidence, but. There are still people who are like weirded out by her. Um, you know, the way that she's dancing and saying like, hey, what's up? And all this stuff. Um, but it's the like I was saying before, it's the kind of attitude that you have when you see someone doing that. It's like, you know, when like you see someone walking down the street and just like singing or, or whatever. And, you know, it's very clear that like they're in their own world. And, you know, sometimes they put up a, put out a vibe where you're like, I wish I was living that dude's life right now. Yeah. Um, I thought that's kind of like what was happening with Kamala where like, she's clearly very happy. Um, you know, she's getting, has the confidence to say things before that. She never had the confidence to say she corrects her teacher. She tells those girls to move from away from her locker, but it's not in any kind of like dickish way or her being annoying. It's just like, she does everything with a smile on her face. And this, like, I think even after she's like, 
hey, like earbuds are detached or uh, wireless for a reason, but uh, love you guys as a couple. I'm going to vote for you. And they have this like funny little smile at her. So it's clearly something like they don't know that, you know, this girl has powers, but clearly like this girl to everyone else is like living in her own world, um, which is very much how she comes off. Um, and it's just like, it's like she has this new lease on life. And as an audience member, you're just like, awesome. I want to go on this ride with her um, and just see what happens next. Cause you know what, what's next is that she's going to have to test out her powers. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So she's uh, and she's walking in the hallway with Bruno and they're talking about and I love that, too. Right. She's got she's got a confidant now. She can talk about somebody, you know, with her powers. And uh, she makes a comment, David, you had brought up, too, that she says, you know, I, I was looking to see if, if maybe Ant-Man and I have some similarities. And he was like, Ant-Man, what do you guys have in common? And he says she says we're both very charming and we look a lot younger than we are. Uh, which is great Easter egg for Paul Rudd, uh, but also uh, is very accurate for her. I don't know if you guys would agree, but when uh, when she's got, I'm personally not a fan of the mask. Obviously, it's a paper mache created mask. It's not gonna be the real thing. Uh, but she looks like a child in that mask. So I that really hit me when she said that. I was like, yeah, she's absolutely right. She looks like a little kid when she's wearing that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, it's funny because I I had a different image of what Captain Mar of what Miss Marvel was supposed to look like. Um, for some reason, in what all the depictions I've seen uh, of her, um, and for some reason, I'm pulling from the video game that came out, the Avengers video game. Like I pictured her as like this, not super tall, but tallish, like really thin girl. But then I started reading the comics, and they allude to the fact in that first run that she's small and like is not a really big stature. And so that actually actually ma makes me even more happy to see that um, she's just kind of jumping off the page as if this was who Kamala Khan is. Um, and I love that she can basically be put in the conversation now with, you know, Robert Downey Jr. and Chris Evans of all these people who are playing the people who they basically are. You know, Robert Downey Jr. is our, is Tony Stark. Chris Evans is Steve Rogers. I love that Kamala Khan, that uh, Iman Vellani is Kamala Khan because it just makes it all feel real for the rest of us that we are living in this MCU world. Yeah. And when's the last time? I mean, obviously America and uh, Dr. Strange, but like we're getting an actual show about a brand new character who we know is going to be, you know, in things going forward. So we're seeing the star on the rise because, you know, in like probably like two or three years, because I'm sure she is booked with Marvel right now, but in two or three years, she's going to start starring and other things. And it's going to be like, oh, man, you know, it's crazy how much she's grown up, too. That's the other thing I keep thinking about when I'm watching her is like, what is she going to look yeah. like in like five years? Because exactly. she's, she's not an adult yet. Right. Like she's going to change as she grows, And we get to, you know, kind of grow with her on that journey, which is is awesome. Um, so is during this. this first, oh, is this the first brand new character that we've had? Um, in terms of like a sh for shows. Show, no, we had, we got Moon Knight. And Moon Knight. Moon Knight. Moon Knight was the first new show. Shang-Chi first new movie. So she's not the first, but and not the last either. Though but even though she's not the first, it still it still feels very new. Which yeah. Well, and that's because with Moon Knight, you were crashing into his world, you know, 10 years in versus right. this being we're, we're here on day one getting to watch her kind of become who she's going to be. Right. Alex, can I cash? Can I put out a receipt? Please. Okay, you talked about her costume. Uh -huh. And again, I am like, oh, this looks so bad. But I'm I'm happy because we all need to be uncomfortable with it because I'm hoping instead of everyone else has this like crazy upgrade, high tech upgrade. There's so much 
influence from South Asian community for the global fashion industry in general. Most of our clothes is, are, is made there. I would love to see a scene where you have like women make like, and having like a very, I guess, like South Asian influence costume or like they're making the costume for her, like her upgrade. I'm just gonna put that out there. because That I would be awesome. So amazing. All right, receipt, receipt is uh, in the bank right now. We'll see if we can cash it. Um, so during this time in the school, uh, Zoe Zimmer, who is, I, I can't even call her a bully or anything. She's just, and, and credit she's to Flash writing Thompson, basically. She, she's better than Flash Thompson, though, because she doesn't really, she, I, we haven't seen her yet, you know, tease anybody. She's not mm -hmm. outwardly mean. And one thing I really liked was that when Kamran comes in, she's like, hey, you're the new kid, Kamran, right? And I was like, like if she was a bully, she would not have pronounced his name right because that's like one of the easiest bullying maneuvers is to just mispronounce somebody's name who's different. And so I was like, I thought that was really cool. And and she ends up becoming Kamala's friend or a part of the group uh, in the comics. So I, I have hope for her. But she's got a million followers now because uh, uh, Nightlight saved her, uh, which is like one of the worst names for a character. But it's scarily sticking by the end of this i was like no 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 please stop calling her that uh but it was cool so she's she's got a million followers she's celebrating with a party about the fragility of life and the fact that she has a million followers and uh loved that uh kamala was like we are not going to that party and then kamran showed up and she's like we have to go to that party and then that was the opening for the episode and they do that cool like miss marvel print it almost looked like random license plates or something or like different backgrounds you did okay then yeah. there was a jersey plate but i do love that it was just like it hit you with the music and then it was back into the story yep real fast like um i also love the um yes. night monkey yeah um kevin's right this is night this was night monkey mm -hmm. um i also love that when she's like we're going to that party they showed the two reactions from nakia and bruno and they're both bruno's like what what are you talking about and nakia's like yeah i know what's going on Right. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And then when the, the scene when they come out or when they're her and her and uh Bruno are jumping and Nakia just shows up, she's like, Why are we jumping? And then she goes, <laughs> Zoe's famous. Like I I just everything and we just talked about this before the show started. Uh Maya, you had said that the first episode kind of felt like Lizzie McGuire. And mm -hmm. I know a lot of people were talking about that as well. If I had a very Lizzie McGuire feel, this episode had a book smart feel to me. Uh, mm -hmm. It felt a lot more like highbrow, intelligent, very well written. Uh, and I love that. So from there, we transition to after that cutscene, it's now time for training. So we get a really cool training montage. We get a very interesting scene of Bruno and uh, Kamala in the, I guess, theater room or something. And she saves him and falls on top of him. Did he actually fall? Uh, he, what was it? She like did something with her power or whatnot. And he like tripped and fell, but then yeah. she fell on top of him. Whatever it was, I, she claimed that I she saved she, him. I, I saw that she like her hand swung back and knocked that fake column that was behind her, but I didn't actually see anything fall. That's fall right. Down. It was more of like they were making noise, I think. And she like grabbed him to move out of the way. I don't know. Maybe she was being proactive, but I was like, Bruno, you're like, Bruno's over here complaining that he's not getting to be with Kamala. He's, get, he's getting really some time. Some serious, mm -hmm, yeah, like, okay. That's what I love about it too, though. Yeah, he's got some moments where he's clearly jealous, but they they are, they are make sure to show so many scenes in this episode of them alone together 
And it's like, she just doesn't realize it yet that they're, they're meant to be, which is so tragic because you know, what's going to happen now with the, you know, everything that happened by the end of this, there's going to be a, we'll, we'll, we'll see as we get to it. There's but, something well, else though. I think it's interesting. There's something else though. This reminded me of the, um, there's an episode, uh, a moment in episode one where they have that awkward moment. Like they speak to each other. They look at each other and like, normally that would be the time when they kiss. Um, but Bruno says something. I forgot exactly what to like break that tension. Oh, that was when they're sitting up top by the Edison uh, electric thing on the roof. Yeah. Um, and I forgot, the light up gloves. Yeah. I forgot exactly what something what was said, but Bruno or Kamala says something to break the tension. And the same thing happened here where like, she's on top of him. And then she says like, what did she say? Like, I guess we should have to practice after all. Yes. Yeah, um, exactly. Yep. So like, I feel like they're doing a really good job of avoiding certain tropes or like thinking they're going one way and then doing something to, uh, to not exactly go in that direction. And because yeah. normally like these teen shows would do that. They'd keep playing up these awkward moments where like there should be a kiss or like, Hey, this is where the main characters fall in love, but they continue to use those moments to show you or to display the friendship that Kamala and Bruno have, which I think is really cool. Yeah, yeah, that friendship is it's and we'll see a little bit more of it as the episode goes on. So we see them um, kind of train together. We see uh, she's kind of getting a grasp on her powers. We find out and I loved this. I love that they just nip this in the butt right away. Um, her powers are not coming from the bangle. They are inside of her and the bangle has brought them out. We also see now that she can transfer that power from her hands to her feet which means she can probably have it come from wherever she wants from her head. Well, we see that too. We see it come from her nose. Mm -hmm. um, we learn that the writing, there's writing on the bangle as well. She doesn't know whether it is uh, Arabic or Urdu, um, but then they, they come to the conclusion that they or Bruno calls it hard light because he says it, you know, she's producing light that is hard. Uh, and we see her kind of practicing as it gets, harder in a sense right she starts by stepping on some things and they just kind of dissipate and then from there she starts practicing by the end there's that cool scene of her jumping around on the roof i thought that was great um and then you know next up is uh she has to go straight to the mosque which i thought was great you know usually you'd see that sort of scene and then the next thing is like the moment where she needs to use her powers right after being you know trained but it wasn't that now she has to go to the mosque to pray which uh, i thought was really cool this Before we get to the mosque, can I yeah. ask you a question? Yeah. So the the words that they used, I feel like were very specific. They said, um, uh, it's like the bangle unlocked the superhero part of you, right? That's the word they used. So I was thinking, and I kind of heard this somewhere else, but um, not exact, not quite this way. Um, I do have a I do have a theory. I think Brian mentioned it last week that I feel like this this could be going back to the bangle might maybe goes back to um, or really connects back to Shang-Chi, but I'm actually wondering if this line is telling us that Kamala actually is Kree and they're doing, they're going to do an inhuman story with her, but they're doing it a different way than the comics do. And I'm kind of curious if you, if you uh, picked up on that, if you kind of think the same thing that they're, they might end up going with a Kree backstory after all, also, the writing on the um, the bangle, uh, she thinks it's Arabic or Urdu, but if it looks foreign, it could also be Cree writing. So I'm curious if you, uh, or either of you really, rather, uh, 
got any of those same like picked up on any of that at all or had any of the same thoughts. Yeah, I I, I think like I, I kind of thought that, and I thought that from the beginning just because. I've followed it from the comics and I assumed they wouldn't do it the exact same, but her being Cree to me made the most sense because that ties her to Captain Marvel, it ties her to Monica, it ties her to all this different yeah. stuff. Um, but I, ho I hope it's totally different. And it clearly has been right. Cause she's in a cocoon by the first issue uh, of getting her powers. Whereas here she's not. So they're skipping a lot of things. If that's the way for her to be Cree, great. If that's not what it is, I'm cool with that too. Like I I've just fallen so in love with this show that I really don't care what the story is because i know that it's going to be cool and if it's creed then that's probably they were like that's the best way of doing it what about you maya yeah so i was gonna say this later in the podcast and okay that what, what you say makes total sense and i literally only have one data point for this theory i don't know why that vision that she had of aisha when she saved the boy almost oh, like she was dressed as if she was like in commentage and even her powers, it looks like kind of like the triangle shape. It kind of looks like sorcery like that we've seen in Doctor Strange. So I feel like that could potentially be it. But I think I just wanted to make a comment quickly when you were talking about like the bangle and the backstory of it all. I love the stories that are based in like ancestral power, like Panther, yes. Shang-Chi, like the idea where the power is coming from her ancestry and being able to kind of dive deeper in that. But um, I'm really curious to know kind of like how this all came to be. Because in the first episode, it did feel a little on the nose, a powerful bangle. But thankfully, we know it's through her, not the bangle. So I'm curious to see how it all connects. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we go from that scene, which has the amazing Cruella song, Goddess. Uh, and it cuts straight to this scene, which is the MIA song, Come Around. As they, her and Nakia race to mosque to uh, and i loved this again we, we talk about um trends i don't even know if you want to call it trend setting but just groundbreaking shows this show i have a feeling is going to go down in history as one of those shows in the same way that eternals may in the future when people look back on it because we are getting scene after scene of positive muslim representation Mm -hmm. And this was an amazing one for that. We get to see them kind of cleansing themselves. Uh, we see how run down the area is where they're having to do that. There's tiles falling off. The water's barely running. And then and it's they just get... the women's side. Exactly right. And they make a point to call that out, that it's just in the women's side. And I was waiting for her to make – she had the perfect clap back too because they're, they're in a section where um, you can barely see through it. It's partitioned kind of like – and I, I can only speak from being Catholic. The same thing for like in confession basically – and uh, Sheikh Abdullah, we get to see Sheikh Abdullah, who's uh, from the comics. So hopefully we get to see him a little more. He says that they are in that spot to protect all of our modesty, uh, which is, again, I don't know a lot about the Muslim religion, but lines up, makes a lot of sense. I wish she would have said, I'm surprised you even could hear us behind this partition. But um, she didn't say that. She just said, sorry, Sheikh Abdullah. Um, you know, it'd be nice if we could get some stuff cleaned up. That scene was great, too, because... Uh, the, the look that Amir gives her when he turns around and is like, who is talking and sees that it's Kamala and his eyes, he's like, ah, and then his, her dad turns yeah, around and looks. Yeah, it was, uh, I thought that whole bit was great. Uh, and this too, this was the beginning of two things, two more things. This is the beginning of the character development of Nakia that I think people, uh, and it's, you know, fair anyway, but I think was very premature to say from the first episode of, oh, we didn't get to see a lot of Nakia. Well, here's your answer, right? All you had to do is wait till the next episode. But then also the um, 
lost my train of thought on the second one. But uh, what did you guys think of those the the mosque scene? I adored it. I know before the episode we talked like I talked about like Rami. It's a show on Hulu centered on like the Egyptian Muslim family, and that was the first show that I actually saw inside of a mosque. Like I've never seen it, so I feel like the show doesn't. An amazing job of like, okay, if you're an outsider, if you don't identify or practice like the Muslim religion, it's like such a great way to like have like these moments of education. But then if you're actually in within the community, the idea of like, okay, some of the, um, you know, how they treat women, things like that, that you can really relate to kind of like those cultural aspects that you're actually a part of. So I feel like it does a good job catering to both audiences. Um, but I just think it's a beautiful thing that's like normalizing, you know, what Muslim culture is. Because, like I said, a lot of people don't know what inside of a mosque was like. They don't know around the cultural customs and things of that nature. So it just makes it le- like less mystic or like a question, like you know, what is this? So I thought it was amazing. And I mean, we'll, we'll talk about it later. And it's so funny because um, her name's Nakia, like character in Black Panther, like. Of all the names we my favorite MCU scenes is between Nakia and Okoye talking about like that scene in Black Panther about like duty, duty and everything like that. But the scene between Kamala and Nakia in the bathroom, uh. just talking about just like her being hijab, being kind of like reclaiming her own power, that definitely challenges it. I think Nakia may be one of my favorite like kind of like friends within the MCU because. Oh my gosh, this episode was, I feel like, was her time to shine and oh, yeah. amazing. This was kind of her episode in a sense because we get, yeah. we get a lot of different pieces from her. And I've got, I, I typed out what she says. So I've got, I've got that when we get to it in the bathroom. The second piece I remembered is that we get the intro in here of a possible mystery for uh, Kamala to solve in this series, which oh, yeah. is who is the shoe <laughs> thief? There have been 22 shoes stolen, including. There's our series villain. villain. (laughs) Yes, yes. Though uh, I'm going to talk about an Easter egg I saw at uh, at the ID that uh, is still pointing to a possible other secret villain um, when we get there. Uh, But there's also a great moment there where are we going to say something? I apologize, David. Go ahead. Oh no, I just I want to make a point, which is um, there was actually a lot about that mosque scene that I'm going to say this. Let me explain that I actually personally related to. Um, so I'm not, I'm not Muslim, I'm Jewish. Um, but I feel, but there are a couple of things, first of all, um, this wasn't the world I grew up in, but in Orthodox Judaism, uh, synagogues have the same thing where men and women sit separately. Um, and there's like a a divider between the two. So I, I kind of understood that. And from friends who I've talked to, like, it's, I don't want to say it's demeaning, but the whole idea of, uh, not that it's the wrong word. Um, the idea of it, them separating it from modesty uh, is kind of the same thing. Um, and I don't want to get too much into it right here. Uh, so but I, I understood, understood that a little, but there was something that I picked up on between Kamala and Nakia, Nakia um, which is that when she was talking about how uh, her parents, um, her, her parents like didn't like the fact that she's now wearing a, a hijab. Mm-hmm. Um, and also they were a little uncomfortable with the physical changes, you know, like she said she was going through. Um, but it kind of, you got the sense that Kamala and Akia are friends. Um, Kamala talks about her struggle with, uh, 
with having to keep religion in her life. So she's kind of going one path where we kind of see her diver- diverging away from her religion, whereas Nakia is the opposite. She is getting more into it. She's becoming a little more religious. Um, and her her and you know Kamala kind of opposite religious beliefs, sort of, sort of, not totally, but they're still friends. And <clears throat> growing up Jewish, you know, I had plenty of friends who uh you know, maybe either stayed on their level of religiosity or even got more religious while I was falling away from religion um, and not, and not, you know, keeping up with all the uh, ritual and traditions and all that. But there was still, you still stay friends with your people, even though you're not on the same religious paths. And I really like the fact that they kind of showed that Kamalan and Nakia are on different paths uh, personally and religiously, but they're still best friends. And, you know, that it doesn't really, maybe it will, I don't know, but it hasn't caused any rifts between them. It doesn't cause any problems that like they can understand and respect their, their individual beliefs and still remain, you know, really close friends. So, yeah. And I'll, I actually have a, I got a question for you guys when we get to that spot in the bathroom. Cause I, there is one thing I'm still curious about, but you're absolutely right. Um, and I, I love too, cause that's exactly how they are in the comics that they, that there's just such rich source material for them to draw from and pull these characters in. Um, and I loved it too. You know, she's deciding now to run for the mosque board, uh, which I thought was incredibly brave. And I loved this felt so book smart of her saying the change is here and the change is her. Uh, <laughs> I just, I loved that. I was like, Oh, this is so great. Uh, but from there we go to another really big scene, uh, which is uh, Kamala is back at home. She's helping her mom bring some groceries in. And she says, I, I'm so sorry that I need to ask you, but there, uh, Zoe is having a get together. I think she calls it a get together. She says, Bruno's, Bruno's going, Nakia's going. Um, can I please go? And her mom says, okay, <laughs> but this time you see that you come back through the door. And I just, that I think is a secret scene that is going to unlock things going forward because her parents and specifically her mom are so traditional and so, the classic trope of being a parent, right? That doesn't want to go out, but you add that religious piece onto it. And we see all of these things coming up in, in the episode of how she does not like her great or her, her, her grandma. And, you know, she brings shame on the family. We're not going to talk about that. We're blah, 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 blah. But then this happens and she says, okay. And so I think this is the first chip away from the dam with her for not only accepting her grandmother, but accepting Kamala when she ends up finding out that she's Miss Marvel throw the receipt in the bin if you'd like. But I think that she, this is her kind of saying, you know what? My kid's a teenager. Teenagers are going to be teens. At least she's telling me where she's going. And she said too, mm-hmm. like, I'm going to be home by nine. And I loved it as well. They don't even like mention it. I guess it's because Comron hooks them up, but like the cops showed up to the house and like no issues, right? She gets out, she gets back home. So I, that, that so easily could have fallen into that trope of like, she gets busted again. And now it's like, oh, the, you know, it goes backsliding with her mom. Like, I just thought that whole moment with her mother before the party was really powerful. And it also it also avoids making the mom a villain. Right. Yeah. It um, makes her part of the theme. Yeah. I mean, like, I think if there's one thing I'm noticing is that this, this show is bucking many tropes. Um, every time you think it's going to go one way, because that's how, you know, movies or TV shows usually go, they go an entirely different way. Um, And they set up the fact that basically they're not setting up. I'm thinking of Hawkeye in the way the Kate related to her mom, Mm. 
but they're not setting up the parents as villains, even not villains, but, you know, antagonists or somewhat. And that's a very common trope to fall into, especially with, you know, teenage coming of age stories. Um, and I also like the fact that like, you know, I'm not a teenager, so I'm not going to pick up on this, but you know, for any teens watching, you know, maybe if you talk to your parents and talk, talk about that, like, I'm not a young kid anymore. Uh, you know, I, I deserve some freedom, but with some limitations, like if you just had that conversation with your parents, um, you can avoid some of the unpleasantries that would come from not having those conversations. It's wild what communication will do. Right. <laughs> uh, this leads us straight though into uh, the party, which uh, Jalen already called it out. This and, and so did Kevin that this was straight from the comics. And I know that's the only reason they put it in because the, that scene could have completely been cut out and you would have been fine. Like, and I noticed that on the second viewing where it was a close-up shot of Nakia saying, Hey, we did like, uh, what was his name? Miguel, Miguel is hovering. And then um, they have that drink scene. And then it's right back to another close-up of Nakia saying we can still get out of here. But that scene needed to be in there because it's so perfect. And so I just, I love that he not only lies, but you get, you get Bruno saying, why did you do that? which is another great lesson to teens to stick up for your friends and not do that sort of thing. But we get the, this, and that's the kind of what, what happens in the comics is that that's when she gets her power. So like the mists kind of go through at that time of the party, but she had the sip of that one drink. And so she's feeling loopy from the mists and she's like, am I drunk? <laughs> and they did that so perfect in this of just her saying, am I drunk after having the one um, that was great. We get the uh, Cameron jumping into the water and coming out with uh, fire emojis and 100 emojis as the <laughs> girls just sit there and say, uh, and I wrote this down too. I wanted to make sure I said it right. Where's all of it? Uh, hold on. Uh, oh, there it is. Mashallah, which uh, according to them, and I didn't catch this on the first viewing. According to them, they said, what does it mean? Damn. And then Bruno <laughs> says, uh, God has willed it. Which is, and I looked it up. I googled "God has willed it" because when I was, I had the uh, the captions on so I could see what they were saying, and it just said other language, and I was like, "That's kind of lazy, Marvel." But then I, so I typed in, you know, "God has willed it," and it, that was exactly what they said. So I'm like, I another great character for Bruno, the character development that he knows these phrases. He's dressing up to go to Eid Mubarak. He's doing all of this stuff. Like, I, I think I mentioned this at one point uh, in our, our chats, but he's they're meant for each other and i think you know she makes a tease at him in the first episode saying yeah you know something about my parents would never you know they, they want me to get set up with a good pakistani boy or something like that but they've already vetted bruno like i i know for a fact if that scene ever happens where she's like i'm in love with bruno or something they'd be like we know and we approve because he's literally like a part of the family so i thought that was great uh, but then again, like I said, the cops come. And uh, so Cameron kind of saves the day, drives them all back, purposely forgets Bruno's name. So, okay. And here's where we're getting to the comic portion of things. Crushed. In the comics, Cameron is a villain. He is also an Inhuman, and he is working for a faction of Inhumans that do not like the current rulers of the Inhumans. And so they're kind of like the bad guys. So not only is he doing that, he... Um, somehow has the exact music that Kamala likes on in the car right when they go. Hmm, that's interesting. Uh, and then there was one other piece about this. He, uh, oh, he failed his first time on the driving test as well. That's convenient. Wow. 
he is perfect for her, isn't he? Uh, Maya, what was so? What did you both love the same Hollywood actors? Uh, exactly right. This is just is this too good to be true, Maya? Including Kinga. Well, for one, let me just say, Kamran is hot, like jalapeno Uh, hot. (laughs) But I, um, I, I'm like, okay, I can see how I knew that he was gonna be some port, like an opposing force in some way. Yeah, he was too good to be true. It was almost like, um, Frozen. Oh, he was just so perfect. And then, and then I'm so I'm just kind of like at this point waiting. But I don't necessarily know if he's gonna be like. I don't have the the comic, you know, backing as much. Well, I read the first few, I have like a little book, but I don't remember exactly um, if he was in there. But um, I think, I don't know if he's going to be a villain or just someone who's like his duty is to, I don't know. He's like do a, something. Yeah. His duty be, is to his mom. Yeah. Like something where it's like this is a means to an end. Not necessarily he's like has bad intentions or. Right. anything like that so i'm still trying to figure that out um but yeah it's it, it's definitely a too good to be true i saw that from the, from the beginning yeah yeah well that, it's funny because that also f- felt like before the reveal and i don't I know his comics background so i was watching all this fresh um but it also felt like another one of those places where they were bucking trends because i feel like in your typical movie the hot guy would then go after you know the hot girl, then we have to spend all this time with our hero, you know, fawning over them. And that didn't happen. Like they both, maybe, maybe it was the fact that they were, they're both uh, Muslim or um, whatever, but you know, they kind of did connect with each other right away. Um, Which I, which felt also felt a little fresh again. Like I feel like you would have to spend a couple minutes, you know, of normally, you know, you might have Kamal like for the next 20 minutes, like just, in class but looking at him instead of what of the teacher and you know them secretly like crushing on them and they just skip right past all that but then i think at the end they reveal kind of why that was you know he clearly is on some sort of mission mm-hmm. yeah and i you you bring that up and i'm one i'm maybe we need, we need some help in the in the chat too i know kevin and jalen are in there and, and you guys too from your rom-com memories there <laughs> is a movie where there's like a super hot guy going after a not so super hot girl and it turns um, out that he's a bad is it mean girls is it she's all that uh maybe Wait. that as well i feel like it was either mean girls or uh easy a there was something where it was like this is too good to be true but no it actually is true but then by the end it was like it was too good to be true and i but i don't know what it is i know i know it's out there i don't know what it is though Jim, I need your help on this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Feel free to shout it out in the chat if anyone I think knows. it's Mean Girls. It's not Mean Girls. Maybe I think she's all that where, like, they, they try to um, turn a nerdy girl into, uh, you know, the hot popular one. And they eventually find out that it was all a bet. Yeah, a bet. Yeah, that's – yeah, okay, I had to make sure that – He realizes right. he found what he was truly looking for. It's the first one, first one that came to mind. But you're right. There definitely is a movie out there like that. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of precedent, but like you said, I, I, I like the way that they did this, casually dropping Bollywood movies and different music styles, and just g- giving the audience absolutely no expectation or explanation of it too. Which I love that sort of stuff because I'm just like, throw me in, I'll catch up. If I don't know what it is, that's fine. We'll keep moving with it. Also, for those of you, I know some of us out there were saying, I can't believe Kamran's got you know this fancy car. He does say that it is his uncle's car. So there's a piece there as well. Um, but then we see after he drops them off at the Circle Q, 
There is a flashing heart neon sign in the window that zooms in as uh, Kamala is just starting to get lost in herself. And she gets home. We see her, and I said this is why I love the costume design too. We see her take off her shoes. She's got some awesome shoes. They remind me of my, uh, Lisa's got a pair of Doc Martens. She, just those big type shoes. Love those. Uh, and she just breaks out into a dance number while the entire screen starts changing Technicolor. It's pink. It's purple. It's blue. It felt like we were on like a sitcom set. The way that the camera was following through her to things. Be My Baby is playing. Uh, she is going crazy. Her parents are in the kitchen. And I love this. She opens the fridge. The music stops. They say, how was the party? And she goes, oh, it was magical. And then the music starts again. And she goes, and you can see in her parents' faces, they're like, uh, what? But then we never see any. I just, I love that. Like, you can tell they, we all know that she's, she's starstruck right now or, or boy crazy, but she goes right back up into her room. The texts with him are on the blanket on her bed. Uh, yeah, well, that was to, so cool. We get to see the sloths again, the baby sloth, which is a plushie from her room in the comics. Um, so that was cool to see as well. Just all of that was absolutely perfect. And then from there, we wake up with her at her desk uh, and her nose is glowing. And we get, this is, I, I've got this listed as the bathroom scene because this is included in it. We get another bit that uh, Nakia says that I, I missed on the first viewing. She says, we spent the last six weeks on ancient Rome and ancient Greece, but six minutes on ancient Persia and Byzantium. History really is written by the oppressors. I loved that line. And I was like, wow, actually, I remember that. We did spend a lot of time on that when I was in high school. So um, that was a great call out. We get to them in the bathroom. And uh, she says, uh, you know, she offers her a tampon while she's in the bathroom, which I thought was cool. She says, you know, I know how your mom feels about that, which I'm sure I maybe Maya, we can get a little bit of insight into that. Was that is that like some moms are like that? Was that something maybe because of her Muslim background? Um, it could be because of her Muslim background, but I know like growing up, I had a lot of friends like that where, you know, their preference was for pads rather than, oh, yeah. Okay. That's fair. You probably um, guess why, but yeah. It's, yeah it's, I certainly didn't want to assume, but I, again, it just felt so lived in like the bathroom's got some graffiti on the wall. The, the reactions that Nakia is, is giving her was just, it all felt so wholesome and yet she's not telling her what's going on. And so mm -hmm. she comes out of the stall and she kind of in, in brilliant on Kamala's part of saying uh, just how, how do you make it look so easy? Like immediately deflecting this energy off of her and passing it back to her. Uh, and she says, easy. Uh, my whole life, I've either been too white or too ethnic for people. Uh, it, it, it's been, I've been in this very sucky in between when I first put on this her hijab, um, she was felt like she was hoping to shut people up, but she kind of realized that she doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And when she puts it on, she feels like herself. She feels like she has a purpose, which was, I think, is a very not just a powerful statement for her, for anyone out there that's feeling that same way, but also mm -hmm. for Kamala, because in the same vein, when she puts her own mask on, that's that she's going to feel a lot more like herself. So it's a little bit of foreshadowing. Um, but at the same time, what is Kamala's reaction to all of that? She goes. I love you. I just, that whole thing, I got chills every time I watched it. What a perfect interaction between two friends. So David, we'll start with you on that. Um, the lovey-dovey scene, the bathroom scene. What'd you think about all of that? Um, I, think this is, <clears throat> I think this is the scene that I was thinking of earlier, but for all the reasons you just mentioned, I really, 
I really love Naki as a character. I do. Yes. For all the things that she said, you know, the talking about going back to the classroom, what they talk about in history class versus, you know, history versus, you know, taught or learned history is a big difference. Um, interesting connection, I feel like, maybe with it being right around Juneteenth and the lack of uh, Black history that I feel like is taught in a lot of schools. Um but also selective history in general. So that was a good, good call out from Nakia there. Um, but the bathroom itself, bathroom itself scene, scene itself. Um, again, it's just, it's just showing you how close these characters are. Um, they're not necessarily going down the same personal paths with regard to religion or their lives or, um, you know, it, I think it's clear that they may not come from maybe the same uh, family background, but these two girls just love each other. Um, they're accepting. Um, and I feel like if I were a teenage girl watching this show, it would very much be a message that um, I would be open to hearing. I want, I like to think so at least, you know, yeah. you can have friends, your friends can have differences. You know, these, th this time high school in your life, a lot of things start changing. Uh, things start taking on new meaning and new importance um, and it can be a crazy thing trying to navigate that. And religion just throws an entire layer, an entire new layer into things that, um, you know, not all, not, not, not all, um, high school kids have to deal with. And on top of that, not only religion, but a religion that is somewhat denigrated a little bit or put down as a whole in the States, even though it should not be, but, you know, let's, let's admit it. There's, you know, something about um, Islam that this country kind of pushes to the side. And I'm glad that this show is doing something to bring it into the circle. Yeah. I think that goes back of, of, to, acceptance. that goes back to that whole idea of them normalizing this stuff in the show. Cause I think more often than not, the um, the Muslims in a show are either the bad guys there. And I, I don't remember, this might've been an article on IGN about why this you know show meant so much, which I was like, why are you writing it now and not at the end of the show? Cause there's probably more stuff, but um, they were saying, you know, as of now, there's only been two depictions of, of Muslims or, or theoretically of Muslims in MCU. And one of them was in Iron Man and they were all villains and it was all men. And, you know, that's just the way that it was. And then the second one, surprisingly, was in Black Panther. And same thing. They, the uh, If you remember, there was a group of terrorists that had captured Nakia and uh, some of the other people. And it was the same thing there. So they were saying it's just mm -hmm. really nice to see them portrayed that right we're, they're not just that thing that America says that they are and has been saying since 9-11. Um, so that 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 was nice. Maya, the question that I had from the scene is with everything David said, everything we've been talking about, why is Kamala not telling her that she has powers if they're this close, if they're this best friends? Like I was like you, she uh, uh, she didn't say it. Wow. Why not? Do you I, I was like thinking that, especially in the rewatch, I'm like, okay, so I mean, obviously Bruno was there, you know, they have a different type of relationship. I think there's very much a comfort zone of uh, with Bruno being a little bit separate from her religion, her, you know, the cultural ties of it. So it's like a safe space to operate however she wants to. I think maybe bringing Nakia in it, there's more factors that she would kind of like challenge her to consider potentially. Um, maybe. Um, so I think that that could potentially be it too, but 
I'm I'm also very confused on why she's not telling her. It seems like she's very great friend that she can confide in. Mm-hmm. Um, I did want to say though this like idea of like that bathroom scene was so powerful because and I totally relate to like being like going to a predominantly white high school and then like very very black religious family is that you know a lot of the times people feel like you know you're living in two different worlds. And I feel like Nikita does a really great job of like blurring the lines. Like she's hijabi, she's in school, she go, you know, she she's like this awesome person that it's like she's her full self no matter what environment she is. And Kamala feels like she's a little bit kind of like I'm yes. this person with my family and I'm this person with school, Bruno, and my interest in the Avengers and all that stuff. So I feel like Nikita shows like a a good example of what is like a well-rounded showing up as your authentic self, no matter what situation you're in. It's a really good example through her character. Yeah. Very rare to see too with uh, someone in high school, right? Everyone's usually figuring themselves out. So she's, and and that's why she's running for the mosque board at such a young age is she's got her stuff figured out for sure. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm seeing we're, we're about to hit the hour. Good news to you. Super fans out there. We are going to go over the hour. We are not stopping in six minutes. We've got time to, we've got some things to say about this episode Uh, to Brian. Sorry, buddy. What are you going to do? Shut it off. I bet you're still watching the game. (laughs) Uh, so next we've got another great scene with my least favorite character in the show who is growing on me so much, which is, I think his name is Mr. Winters, uh, the, the teacher in the school. Uh, he's not even a teacher. He's the counselor. Um, and he gets in this scene actually had me laughing, uh, not at the movie bit. That bit was a little cringe, but he gets in, he said, he says, sit down, Bruno. And then Bruno sits down. He says, are you sitting down? (laughs) You got in. And he's like, what? You got in. You're in Caltex. This was the most perfect of like the juxtaposition of this, like the way he, it was like, oh, you know, just when uh, Kamala is getting interested in Kamran, surprise, we're sending you across the country to Caltech. And he says, wow, that sounds expensive. He goes, it's not, it's free. It's all free. I just, you sounded like a commercial. It was hilarious. Yeah. Everything is free. It's all paid for, but it's in California, which was the most, again, the character and the writing of this was just amazing. Like that. We all know that's why, but for him to say it out loud as the last scene and he kind of looks down as he says it and then kind of almost looks up at the camera. And then the next scene is them out. I thought that was great. That is a great wrinkle. Very similar thing happens in the comics where he gets sent to Wakanda to um, go to school there as well, to a gifted program there. Um, but again, this is exactly oh, you know, what, I mean, what? Where is Caltech? Is it close to Oakland? It's Pasadena. So it's like near L.A. I was going to say if it's close to Oakland. That's where they set up the Wakandan Outreach Center. Mm. Yeah, so I wonder if they could be going there, but I guess not. Yeah, and it, it was never, I think, I don't even think he even ends up meeting anyone famous. Maybe he talks to Shuri, but he's like in a class with other really smart Wakandans who are way, he's like the dumbest kid in class, which mm-hmm. is like really awesome to see because, you know, he's so smart. But this is the perfect love triangle situation. And so going back to David's point, are we going to see the classic trope of, well, Kamala is clearly interested in, in Kamran and I clearly don't have a chance with her, even though he totally does. 
uh, I'm just going to take this Caltech thing and leave. And you know what? We'll figure our stuff out. Is he going to? It Will he? Won't he? I don't know. That's that's the beauty of these shows. Uh, but he comes out and says, hey, uh, uh, Kamal, I need to talk with you. And she's like, I'm a little busy right now. And we see Kamran waiting by his freaking uncle's car. And she, but he says, I love this. Cause again, he's like, but she goes, I did need to ask you something. And it's like, and even though she says, my mom wanted to ask if you were coming to Id Mubarak, uh, to, she has a whole conversation with him and is like, you've got to come. It's going to be, and he says another one. And she's like, it's the lesser Id. Um, so like he's, he's clued in on her culture and I just, it makes me so happy to see that, that he cares that much about her, but I really hope we don't get the like, Oh, I'm just going to leave. She clearly doesn't care for me. Like, I hope at some point he realizes she's still like best friends with him and that's totally fine. I didn't read it that way at all. No, I read it as, no, I didn't read it. I read it as, um, and I can totally relate to this. Um, making big decisions based based on teenage emotions right um you know totally remember that remember I, I remember when i was in high school like college decisions you know there were some college decisions based around what girls i liked and where they were going um and it's just kind of a a, a way of teenage it's a, a way of teenage thinking that he's not thinking about his future he's thinking about his future with kamala mm-hmm. um because going to Caltech will take him away from Kamala. And once he leaves, once he leaves, like there's nothing between, there's nothing to stop Kamala and Kumran from getting together. Like I guarantee that's what he's doing. Um, and so I feel like had Kamran, well, I don't know if he hadn't entered the picture, maybe it would still be a difficult decision because he would see that as um, that program as taking him away from Kamala, but he's, it's coming at at least opportune time because I, I think he's thinking um, he's kind of in cock block mode for lack of a better term. Like he just wants, he just wants to be there so that Kamala and Kumon can't get together. Um, that's how I read it. Maybe my own experiences are influencing that. Um, but at the same time, like this is just the way that high, some high school kids and especially high school boys think. Um, and the show is doing a really good job of, of showing that, that, you know, high teen emotions can make you do a lot of weird things dumb things <laughs> mm-hmm. maya do you agree well i think i yeah i guess i saw it differently but i just thought more so was like okay yeah he was hesitant about it, like you said was not a the most opportune time but i think he was trying to talk it out with his best friend not necessarily i'm in love kamala i don't want to leave her it's like let me just discuss it like right. he lost that opportunity so I don't know what his intentions were behind being hesitant about it, but I do feel like in that moment, he just wanted to talk to a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, especially when they mentioned that he has no family, his family is Kamala's family. So there's a bunch of different factors I'm sure he just needs to talk through. Yeah. Um, in the com- Alex, in the comics, do they go over what happened to, or what's the deal with Bruno's family? Um, well, he has a brother in the comics who's kind of like a mini villain for a little bit who works for the inventor. I'm trying to remember. I think his name is Vic. Um, but there's there's actually a really cool scene in the comics. I'll have to find the part. But he he taught he's talking with I think he's talking with Amir. Um, Amir is telling him why uh, things will never work out between him and Kamala <laughs> because mm-hmm. of them being from different backgrounds. But he he said my family's Italian. And I love this too. Cause I was like, Oh, that's like me. Uh, he's like, my family's Italian American and they came over 
And they had a lot of the same issues of trying to get established and people were not fans of Italians at the time. And I don't think I, I don't remember much about his like parents or anything like that. I just know that he has a brother and I know he mentioned that thing about, you know, being Italian American. Um, so we'll, we'll find out, I think next week probably because they've been, uh, it's been, you know, a, a roller coaster in terms of things get figured out really quickly in this show. So I, I have a feeling next episode will be, you know, they're going to make a decision on that one way or the other. Um, so from there, uh, Kamala and Kamran go eat. Uh, where she t- he takes her driving and, you know, classic driving scene. But so they go to a place. We hear about his mom is obsessed with Kingo Sr., uh, which was great. And she says basically that's super cringe uh, because obviously it's the same guy over and over. But she says, and this is what my key takeaways from here, were uh, him and his mom moved around a lot, he says. Um, Amir is also outside. Um, we get to finally meet his fiance, who we had a mention of. Uh, she was great, I thought, as well. I loved that interaction and I loved how he just switches to the British accent. And then he goes, I think I remember you, man. (laughs) Like that was every, every single, I keep saying this, every single actor in the show is firing on all cylinders. I love that. He's like, yeah, we used to call you haram.com wrong. All right. So you guys, I did like, I just, I think I remember you, man. Like Mm -hmm. just classic, like no way, no way, man. But uh, so yeah, all that was cool. But it was very like, okay. So we'll see, and and we'll talk a little bit more about all of that as we get closer to the end with the final bit with Kamran. What I want to jump into, though, is Kamala's family history. So the next scene is them at dinner, and we have kind of an explanation of things going on. So here's here's all of the spots I got. I'm going to kind of share these, talk a little bit about the partition, and then from there, I'll get your guys' thoughts on what you what you felt about the scene. So um, we find out from her parents. So Yusef, her dad... Uh, has her his family has been in Karachi for generations. Muniba's family has not. They came there after the partition, and so she says it was very hard. The British left a mess. It was uh, there was a civil war, and they had to get on the last train to get out of the city. Her parents, parent or yeah yeah, yeah her parents. So she said her mo- her mother Sana was uh, just a toddler. And got separated from her parents at the train station. So that would have been from Aisha and her father. Uh, No one knows how she managed to get back on the train just before it left. She said that she followed a trail of stars back to her father. And they're not sure what happened to Santa's uh, mother. She disappeared that night is what they said. Um, and that's when the bangle goes off right then and there. She gets a little bit of a vision of someone. We don't know exactly who it is. It's kind of a shadow. See it a little bit. But then um, she kind this of faints. Uh, right. Yeah. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Is it? Well, no, but according to Amir, it is the evil eye. And he starts singing uh, at the exact same time as they're throwing some water on her. I would think that was probably holy water. Uh, and she, And then her mom says, did you eat too much? Did you not eat enough? And uh, it just was a perfect scene. So I am a little bit familiar with the partition, uh, but I wanted to get some information on it so that I could be uh, smart for you guys. So here, here's what we got. Um, the partition of India was in 1947, which divided British India into two independent dominions of India and Pakistan. And so this was, again, in 1947, it resulted in the dissolution of the crown rule in India Um, made both of those things legally coming into existence, both Pakistan and India separate in August 15th of 1947. The partition displaced between 10 and 20 million people 
across and along religious lines, creating overwhelming calamity in the newly constituted dominions. I can't even imagine. Basically, you know, you're on one side of the wall in a sense, practicing the other religion. Now you got to escape and get out there and move to the other side so that you are safe. They said that it's often described as one of the largest refugee crises in history. There was large-scale violence with estimates of the loss of life uh, accompanying or preceding the partition disputed, obviously, between several hundred thousand and two million deaths. Um, the violent atmosphere created uh, an atmosphere of hostility and suspicion between India and Pakistan that affects their relationship to this day, uh, which is crazy. And it's funny, too, you know, and, and I obviously I was guilty of this when I was watching it, too. We'll see it when we get to the uh, uh, Department of Damage Control scene. But um, you look at a map and Pakistan and India are very far away from Saudi Arabia, Iraq, Iran. Yet I feel like a lot of people lump that entire area just into one, right? Like I feel like if someone says I'm from Pakistan, the layperson would be like, oh, is that next to Iraq or Iran? But they're they're very far apart. And, and they mentioned it, like I was saying, there's Middle Eastern, which would be that versus um, South Pacific or South Asia, which is more of India, Pakistan. So really cool. We get this just awesome story, or sad story, I guess, awe in the sense of it being maybe awful. But uh, Maya, we'll start with you. What do you think about all this, this family history stuff? We get a lot thrown at us uh, and it's packaged very nicely in kind of the story from her dad. Yeah, I, I'm not even going to lie. I was really confused because it almost felt like I should got either like left behind or lost. And then we find out later that my mom was like, she brought so much shame to the family. So like, what is going on? Yeah. Like, so I don't know if there was something that led up to, okay, there was all these things that brought shame, like Aisha brought shame to the family, then the partition happened and then they didn't see her again or what. But um, I just thought it's, yeah, like another mystery that they're, they're showcasing us. Like, okay, what is the story here? So. I'm really, and I, I love the idea that it's like a real historical event that we're explaining Black Panther, obviously, like all the stuff around the, like how the Black Panther came about was 100% fictional, but like this is actually rooted in a real life event that we can learn from. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really interested to know where they're going to go with the story and like the powers and how it came. And like you said, the bangle kind of like lit up. So... I don't know. We'll see. And the mom is very spooked. So mm -hmm. the mom knows something. and the, Someone has the bangle as well. So someone knows something. But who and what they know is going to be interesting to find out. Yeah. You sparked something, though, Maya. And I'm going to throw this one to you, David. So we're talking. We got, we, she saw stars. She disappeared. Who's another MCU character Ooh. that disappeared for a really long time? And who? what race was she? Captain Marvel, maybe, oh. of the Kree. Yeah. What if Aisha was, like, part of the, the core, the Kree core, uh, or whatever, and during the partition maybe fought or whatnot, and then they were like, you need to just flee the planet, basically. And well, left. when was that, the 40s? 40s, yeah. Right. 47, so, I think it said. Yeah, 47. Yes. So, I mean, Cal would have been around the 90s. Well, no, I'm not saying they're saying. I'm just saying, you know, it's a very similar story that, uh, 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 you know, gotcha. a character's around, Aisha's around, and all of a sudden she disappears, and no one knows where she went. 
it's the forties, right? No one would have known that she went to space sort of. I mean, yeah, there's definitely a story there. Um, I liken it to a lot of the religious stories that, you know, we talk about privately, but you know, the fact that there are events that people can't explain and they often, or not often, because we don't know, but they, they can refer to events that maybe have uh, extra terrestrial explanation. Yes. 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 Um, so that, can't wait for episode five when we find out <laughs> right. all about that. Right. And then they don't uh, resolve it in episode six. Yes, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, I do want to call out the name of the grandmother, Sana. Do yeah. we know what that name is? Right. A reference to the creator of Captain Marvel. Um, I also want to talk about the writing choice to not have a lot of exposition about what the partition is. Um, and they kind of leave it up to the viewer to figure it out for yourself. Cause again, I feel like that's another trope that shows or movies would take that like the audience has to know everything we're talking about, but they do just enough. They don't explain what the partition is, but they do a great job of explaining that it was clearly a very um, emotional, um, uh, you know, it was very emotional, uh, potentially violent um, event. And even though they don't tell you, uh, another a traumatizing event even though they don't tell you exactly what it is you get just enough information to know um the impact that this one event had on their family um and they kind of leave it up to the viewer to go and do their own research um as to what this partition is because i feel like if they maybe given giving you a little bit in the show you might be satisfied to be like okay now i know what the partition is but, you know, if they don't tell you that much, you know, exactly what you did, Alex, you went to, you know, wherever you went to do a little bit of research. Yep. Um, and now you probably know a little more than what they may have given you in the show. Mm -hmm. So I like the fact that the writers and the creators um, are confident in their in their writing and storytelling that they don't feel like they have to spoon, spoon feed, sorry, spoon feed the audience everything. Because on top of that, you know, this is another, I don't want to say it's a foreign show, but it's a show about uh, a culture and a religion that is, for lack of a better word, foreign to a lot of people. And there may be a tendency, I feel like there's a tendency to over-explain. Um, and when the writers, you know, treat their audience with respect and, you know, allow them to do their own research, it, it came off a lot more authentic to me that they're having a, a family conversation. Everyone in the scene knows what they're talking about. You don't have to explain to the audience. Let them, yeah. let, let, let them do it on their own. I feel like we may see a flashback or something, but like you said, for this episode of us being introduced to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Well, that, that, that makes, makes sense. remember too that this show is written for the that community. Mm -hmm. And this show is made for that community. And it's one of those things that that's the reason why people are writing think pieces after the first and second episodes of how much this show means to them, because it really isn't if you know, if you know, type of scenario of like, I don't know, right? That's not my community. So I'm going to go look it up and I'm going to learn some new things. Whereas these other people are like, hell yeah, like, look at that. They didn't even have to treat me stupid while I'm watching it. Like, I'm in on these jokes. I know who those Bollywood stars are, whereas I do not know who those Bollywood stars are besides Kingdom. Mm -hmm. So, um. Yeah, huge props, huge props to them for kind of creating that. Uh, okay, so from really there, she makes they a drop Kingo because of the first conversation they had. I thought, I was like, why did they not mention, you know, the Eternals connection where it was right there? Oh, I think, well, the first part was music related. So I don't think Kingo was. With oh, well, music. Was, about, all right, whatever. Uh, sweat Boys or sweat, the Sweatshop Boys. 
Um, so yeah, so from there she calls her, she calls Sana, she calls her grandmother, Nani, um, finds out some more things. The bangle is from Aisha. Uh also that the mango man is here. I don't know if you caught that, but that's how she got off the phone. She goes, I had the captions on. She says, The mango man is here. I gotta I have to go get some mangoes. And then she was like, wait, wait, and then you know, ended the call. Um, but yeah, so that that might be a new phrase. The mango man is here. Is her grandmother <laughs> is her grandmother in America? Or is she like back in India? Did you catch that? Great question. I would think she is in India because in the comics she was in India. She's in Karachi or in Karachi. So um, maybe she is. That would make sense, I guess, because she was calling her at night. So maybe it would have been during the day there. And there aren't a lot of mango men in Jersey City or in America. Well, Jersey City has some very like ethnic parts of town. Like, Though there may be some mango men there then. You never know. Um, so for, she talks to her grandma. She talks to her mom. And we get that, like you said, Maya, the, she, that woman brought shame on the entire family. I had to move halfway around the world to avoid it. Um, we also hear, if it wasn't for Slippery When Wet, your father and I may never have met, which amazing bon, John Bon Jovi conversation. I did not need that at all. I know, so cringe. Is like kind of cringe. Like that is, those are the kind, because again, what a deep cut to start talking about Bon Jovi. Uh, and I'm not a huge fan of him, but like they're throwing out the what's it called? The Captain Kid, the uh, Jersey, Jersey City. Thing. What was it? Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's a Jersey thing. So I again, even for people who live in Jersey, this is going to be great because every Marvel property has been in New York. So really mm -hmm. cool for that. Um, uh, so, yeah, I'm curious. Again, brought shame on the entire family. Monica's kind of peeved at Carol as well for leaving. So I'm sure people would have shamed her for saying, oh, Carol, like there's got to be something there, something. Um, but from there, we move to the next scene, which is Id Mubarak. And uh, we learn about a bunch of different groups there. Another phenomenal scene. We've got the Illuminantes, which mm. we're going to dive into. Uh, but we also have the Mosque Bros, the Pious Boys, the Sunday School Teachers, the InstaClick, uh, which also is one of my favorite scenes in the show, when one of those InstaClick girls in the mosque, when she goes, come on, when yeah. she took her phone, I could not stop it's watching Instagram. The way she said, it. oh, hashtag mosque life. I was just, that's so funny. Uh, the converts slash reverts. Uh, and then the mini Harami girls, uh, which all lead to this the Illuminati, who, um, and we got to call it out here. So uh, Nakia is currently canvassing, trying to get her name out for the vote. She has a jacket on that has a cockatiel on it, on the back, which is from the guy uh, who's a villain in the first 12 issues of the comics. Uh, named the inventor. I think you guys might have talked about him on last week's episode, but there were multiple call-outs there for Edison Electric. The father is talking about uh, cockatoos or parrots because they all look the same. That's a big joke in the comic. But now we have an actual, like the picture on her jacket is identical to the inventor in the comic. So I don't know if they're just tossing that stuff in um, for, you know, hey, here's an Easter egg or if they are leading to something with it. Um, but that was, I thought was really interesting uh, what else did I have in here? So yeah, uh, Nakia convincing Yusef as well at the end, I thought was fantastic. I loved how after she left and he's like, Yusef, are you okay or whatnot? And he just gives this like look of like, I, I got defeated. Like <laughs> I have to vote for her now. I love that. It was so great. By the way, Illuminantes, does that present a loophole? Because Dr. Strange seemed to not know what the Illuminati were. I, I saw that. I think that was on phase zero too. 
I'll say this. If we're going to go to the semantics of whether or not Dr. Strange <laughs> knows what an Illuminati is, I'd say we've run out of content to talk about because I could easily see it as Dr. Strange just being a jerk and being like the Illuminati because he's trying to tease. I feel like he would never, he never has a normal conversation with Mordo in that movie. He's always trying to tease him. So I put no credence to that at all. Didn't even cross my mind. It doesn't bother me at all. I just yeah. I thought it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Very interesting, I guess. Um, Maya, what'd you think about this, uh, the scene with the, the aunt? Well, and we'll, we'll get to the deep part about the aunties. I, I guess we'll, we'll jump into it right now. So the, the notes that I have for that, um, is, well, oh, they jump actually to Zoe being interrogated. So a couple quick bits on this. Uh, first off, he was hilarious. I love that. Wait, you're the Zoe Zimmerman. Oh my gosh. Oh, wow. And that's the enhanced person who tried to kill you. <laughs> and he says, I'm, I have a feeling you did this for the likes, uh, which was great. But then she says, you know, oh, is were they Latino? Oh, I'm supposed to say Latinx. Are they Middle Eastern? Were they South Asian? And she gives that look and she's like, all right. And then I, I was almost wondering if he is also maybe, you know, a practicing Muslim or something like that. Because the way that he was like, all right, come here. He yeah, says, he, he goes, let's do the tri-county sweep. And I was like, whoa. He goes, hit up every, it was like temple, something, and pauses, and then says, and mosque. But be respectful. And here's the next, the thing I was saying, the FBI is surveilling them already, which was another kind of uh, just, you know, throwaway line of what those cultures have to deal with on an everyday basis. And I thought it was a great call out. Very sad to see, but like I said, am I, am I looking too deep into it? I, I was like, maybe he's connected to this. Maybe she's a hot shot. We find out by the end it's not, you know, none of that. But so what do you think about, well, we'll start there, Maya. What do you think about the interrogation scene? It was good. She, whatever her name was, that, like, that interrogator. The, From Orange uh, is the New Black? Yeah, she's cringe. I'm like, um. Oh Total God. cringe. In the best way. Yeah, it was, it was so direct, too. I think a lot of the times, like, previously kind of, like, mentioned you know some of the stereotypical things and then i'm like oh that's so bad like so i that like the classic boomer very uncomfortable but like you said zoe and i only like compared zoe to flash in terms of wanting attention and like oh i'm spider-man's best friend but here i definitely see what you mean like she's like a lot better than flash because she's not I don't know, she wasn't being, she wasn't lying or anything like that. She was actually being truthful and she's like, she saved me. But yeah, the right. whole scene made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. David, same for you. Yeah. My first thought was, where is MJ telling her to shut up and ask for a lawyer? Right. Um, a lawyer, yeah. So I was a little confused because he starts naming, like, he starts naming ethnicities. And then for some reason, um, seems to settle on South Asian on South Asian. Like he already has a, a hint that it could be, you know, someone of, you know, South Asian descent. And so I was a little confused why he settled or why he emphasized that. So the way it went was like, she's, she was basically pressing her with the different, you know, areas of the world. And when she, and she didn't make any response, but when she said South Asian, she looked over at her. Yeah, like she so that was like her tell. Yeah, that blow. She was like that gave it away basically. It just it seemed like, like he was drilling down and eventually. Well, he wasn't the one out. doing it though. It was her. It was her. Okay. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, he was just trying to get her to admit something when he was asking about the, you know, you did it for the likes and all that. Yeah, no, he didn't jump into that. That was her because she comes in and she was like, oh, so you you do know what she looks like because she said something about whatnot. And then she was like, so is she this? Is she the whole the whole scene was felt very no way home. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I, I also, and also with the, um, I don't know, <laughs> the whole survey, like you, you brought it up, the surveying, sur- surveilling of um, religious sites, specifically mosques. Um, and that's why it's so important to actually see, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, like no, see them inside the mosque, like having that, like the outsider perspective, then actually seeing them in the mosque gives us that good, like, so we're not making those associations or right. Yeah. The basic show would have been yeah. us surveilling the mosque versus right. being inside. Of, that's a great point. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And if you, and it, it, I feel like it also has makes you call back to the scene um, earlier when they're in the mosque and you see what kind of environment it, it, it is, which I feel like is not what most Americans probably think of um, if they think of it at all. Mm-hmm. Yeah, most things that Americans are afraid of, if they actually did the work to look at them, they're not actually that scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we we jump back to the Illuminantes, and we get a couple of other bits that we learn about Aisha. We find out she put a curse on everything she touched. She had a secret family affair. She had many affairs and a secret family. She killed a man, uh, which happened during the partition. Part of me thinks all of those things are true, but they are all taken out of context and Mm -hmm. they don't understand the full story of that. I thought that was very interesting. But again, I just, I wanted to be at that, uh, the id celebration, like just the, that idea of just such a community together and it being like a festival and just having all your aunties just sitting around chit chatting. Like I I, I live for those sort of moments and and obviously I don't get as many of them because I'm not a part of (laughs) great cultures like that. So um, I thought that was really cool. Uh, but we get we get to our. Will you say something? I will say there's also a lot that f- the the whole gossiping aspect. Um, again, didn't grow up in a, in a Muslim community, grew up Jewish, but the same thing very much exists. Like if one person knows your business, everyone knows your business. Yeah, I mean, it seems like yep. a church setting for sure. Yeah. And I was going to say, the celebration remind me so much of this Juneteenth celebration I went to. So it was just like fresh off of like seeing that i'm like oh this is i mean i think all of that there's an aspect of um what's that saying like the more we think we're different the more we're the same right for sure um you know they're showing things and like yeah i can't relate to what it's like growing up but i have plenty of associations that are very close to how i grew up and you just Mm -hmm. mentioned how you know you can see similarities so there's this idea of like yeah this isn't this is maybe foreign to you but there's similarities in all cultures and all religions traditions um, and I feel like the show is doing a really good job of trying to relate that message without hitting you over the head with it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It reminded me a lot of, we had some, uh, you know, and Catholicism was the same way of the mosque reminded me a lot of our churches where we're all in pews right. and have to be quiet the entire time while the priest is saying things. And same thing. We've got those big get togethers and gatherings. I just, I never had anyone that, you know, I chit chat. I always wanted to go home. So it was a, a little <laughs> different. I, I did, was not a fan. Catholic um, okay. gossip, Alex. Uh, got, yeah, church gossip. I was not a part of that. Look, I I just stay away right? from that stuff. I just wanted to be well behaved boy. I didn't want <laughs> anyone to bother me. All, all that sort of stuff. Um, so we get to this last scene, which is one of the Insta kids is 
so cringe, so annoying in the best way for the show, trying to snap a stupid photo from the top of a bell tower like a little kid in this day and age probably would want to do. No less frustrating. But he slips and falls, and he's hanging by a thread uh, or hanging by a curtain, and uh, Kamala comes out and saves him uh, to the cries of night light. Uh, but she saves him, and then he, the little coward, can't jump to the next little let, lot, little thing, has to just hold his hand out like she's going to come back and grab him. But then she gets another vision, and we now fully see who this person is. We don't know who this is. We mm-hmm. see this person. I, I caught something. She's got a, a thing in her hair. Who knows if that even means anything. But this person, this vision, prevents her from saving this kid. So he falls. She starts throwing stuff down to save him. I thought that, I thought he was going to die. When she launched her hand down and missed, I was like, oh, he's dead. But somehow she still had more time. It's a tall building, I guess. She throws a couple more things and catches him just in time. Um, so here's here's where what I'm going to jump to. Because this I think the more important piece of this is she runs away. The dro- the repurposed Stark drones catch her, and they're there. I was like, oh, thank God, because I would, again, avoiding the trope of let's canvas the mosque, uh, of just, boom, right away, we, we find out that there they are. They caught him, but she escapes somehow by hiding behind the one truck on the road. And then Kamran shows up, grabs her in the car, and takes off. Every single person then runs around the truck and says, we lost her. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, okay, fine. Damage control is not good at that sort of stuff. That's fine. But we, uh, okay, hold on. I'm seeing some of these comments that you're saying. Um, if we don't know, it was implied it was the great-grandmother. Yes. Kevin, so thank you That's for bringing this up. Here's where we're at. Because I said, I need to know if there's anything out there, what's going on. I did a look through on the cast. Here's what we've got. A very young Bollywood star is playing Aisha in the cast. This person is the character. Her name is, uh, let me get this real quick. Her name is Najma, N-A-J-M-A. There is also on the back of the Funko Pop for Miss Marvel. You can look it up on Google. They have Miss Marvel in a regular costume. Kamala Khan in her, uh, her Captain Marvel costume. Bruno, Red Dagger, who we haven't seen yet. He's coming. But Najma and Aisha are two separate Funko Pops that look completely different, which almost fully confirms my theory that I said of why would her great-grandmother stop her from saving someone? So Kamran's Mm. mother that is in this car, Najma, is a bad guy for sure. We knew that already because she looked really... She says, I've been waiting so long to meet you. They know she has powers. How is that? I, I, I don't know how, right? She's probably connected by the bangles somehow, but they are separate people. So this person she is seeing in the visions is not her great-grandmother. That is the woman in the car. Separate people. Yeah, okay, that's because I thought it was her, and I think I assume because like she was kind of, in the vision, she was kind of dressed like Kaecilius. That's why I'm like kind of giving sorcerer vibes. Right. But, and when, especially when they said she had a secret family, I'm like, oh, maybe she's kind of like you know, kind of right, like maybe this is like the secret daughter of Aisha that's trying to like take the power know. away from her. Okay, that makes sense. I I assume that. I never thought they could be two characters. So that's good clarification. <laughs> David, were you thinking the same thing? I thought it was, and I thought it was the grandmother and something like if she's imbued with imbued with some sort of you know power, it allows her to be in that vision and also in the car at the same time. 
Um, if there's also some sort of like magic involved, you know, it would explain the the lack of aging on her. Um, I for all the talk that we talked for all the, the talk that we mentioned about bucking trends, I do feel like this was a very classic villain reveal. Um, and I mean, this is the end of the first act, technically, you know, it's the end of the first third of the, of the series. So, um, I feel like that's the the opportune time to introduce your villain. And Um, we're going to get to another probably classic trope, which is she definitely wants Kamala's powers. She knows a lot more about Kamala's powers and she (laughs) is probably going to say, I can train you or like. Why don't you give those powers to me? Something that a young teenager who doesn't really know what's going on may say okay to. I pray that part of that is true and that there's some bucking of the trope in it, but it it really does look like that's where it's going. Is that well, that's yeah. how they're gonna get it? I, I was kind of thinking that like, what if all the shame that her family members like, what if she had her ancestor, whoever it was, and I could be wrong on this, um, had this power and used it for bad purposes, you know for use it for evil for lack of a better word um but kamala because of who she is realizes that this power can be used for good and so you know her whoever that whoever that character is wants her to go one way but kamala wants to go a different way um you know it's kind of like a little bit of um uh vader revealing to luke that like he has this power he wants him to follow him but he goes he says no yeah i'm gonna be the good guy um i wonder if that's if that's where we, we might be going um, because I feel like, like Shang-Chi, there's uh, tension and stakes when two family members have to face off. Um, and if these two characters, if Kamala is related to this character, like there's your, there's your tension between yeah. your, your hero and your villain. Yeah, absolutely. I was also like, saw a lot of similarities. I know you appreciate this, Alex. Well, one Coco, just like the idea of kind of like, Going back, exploring like this, you know, past story. Like in Kanto too. Sisters. Yeah, in Kanto, and also Windy Wu, Homecoming Warrior. Yeah. Yeah, I see it. So I'm, I'm really curious on how they're gonna tie it all together. I think Coco is actually a really good call out, Maya, because you mm-hmm. have the aspect of um, your family having one vision, one version of who this person in your history was, but mm-hmm. it turns out the truth is completely different. And, you know, yes. Kamala will discover something. So that's a good yeah, Which is also identical to another Bruno in another Pixar movie <laughs> of Encanto, where everyone thinks yeah. something different of him. So um, that's a perfect place for us to wrap up. Uh, thank you guys both so much for coming on. Uh, before we wrap up, though, we wanted to say one final thing, which is, again, our fearless leader, Brian, was not able to attend tonight. He is very busy. Hope I haven't checked the scores. I don't know if the abs are doing well or not, but he's also in the process of moving too. Um, but uh, Brian's been doing a lot for us and, and a lot for our group, helping us out. Obviously, he's the uh, uh, the architect of Nerd Life Network. Uh, and we wanted to show him a little, a little, just a little bit of appreciation. And so uh, the New Avengers troops rallied together a little something and asked me to present a very giant check. So give me a second. Let me... Get it out! Don't hurt yourself, Alex. Oh, thank you. Here you go, Brian. This is the world's... This is an Ant-Man check. And so, to protect the innocent, we made it so small you can barely even see when you zoom in. It does have 
little endorsement sign on the back. So you got to sign it, but we wanted to do a little something for you. Uh, the entire crew pitched in to go out and, uh, oh no, it's bad. Six, two lightning. Oh, Brian, then you better be tuning in to see this. Hopefully this makes you feel better. I'm so sorry about your loss. Uh, but maybe you can go out on the, hit the links and have a good time from all of us here. So that's going to do it for me. Maya, thank you so much for coming on. Yes, and I just wanted a little one. Shout out to Brian. I hope he's able to relax after that just crazy move. But I wanted to plug Nerdy Girls After Dark. We talked about Bruno Kamala. Um, we're going to be talking about friend zones this Thursday. Kind of seems like on topic. So Perfect topic. On Thursday. Nice. And David, thank you so much for coming. Honestly, this show seems like a perfect episode of Modern for Modern Gods. Well, Modern Gods is on a little bit of a hiatus right now, but okay, okay. I hope to bring it back. But the more I was thinking about it, and you know, it seems like just as I had to put that thing on hiatus for a little bit, they give us Moon Knight and Miss Marvel two shows. Yeah, <laughs> wrapped up in myth and religion. I'm just like, oh god. Oh man. So maybe one day at some point I'll do a little bit retrospective when my life gets a little com less, less complicated. Good, nice. Well, <laughs> we look forward to it. And and for uh, comics and cinema tomorrow, um, we've got a very interesting show. It'll just be me, and I'm going to be talking about my top 10 most anticipated movies of 2022. So we will be going down that list of some of the new movies that are going to be coming out this year and what is on the docket. So um, for those of you here, let's see if I can pull this off right uh, for Brian. 